today's audio podcast from the Church at Bushland. If you enjoy the teaching ministry of the Church at Bushland and would like to enjoy more resources and weekly updates, we hope you will visit our website at thechurchatbushland.com or download our app by searching for The Church at Bushland in your app store. We'd love to know how this ministry is touching your life. Please take a moment to let us know how this ministry is impacting your life by emailing us at info at thechurchatbushland.com. Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so in our app or by visiting thechurchatbushland.com slash give. All right, well, welcome to another episode of Digging for the Truth. Josh, man, it's great to have you back in here, dude. Thanks for having me, man. I'm very happy to be here. So how are we going to do this when uh, you're back across the pond? Oh, man, we might have to go for that whole, like, two locations. Two locations. We can make it work. Yeah, yeah. Well, we may very well have to do that, man. Pray for a good internet connection. (laughs) That's an absolute truth. Yeah. Well, so today I invited Josh back. I I thought this was a very uh, poignant topic that kind of hits everybody. It doesn't matter Mm -hmm. if you're a man, woman, young, old. This is something that uh, affects everybody, and it has to do, and it's never been harder uh, than it is right now to actually protect your eyes. Mm-hmm. And so I, I, I kind of want, I thought we'll just kind of kick off with the scripture and kind of talk where, where we're talking about, and then we can kind of build on it. But I thought we'd just read this scripture first. If you're looking for it, you know, it's in Matthew uh, 6, 22, and I'm just going to read it here. Um, basically, it just says, the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, our whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? And it goes on, I'm going to go in and read chapter, or, uh, verse 24 as well. And it says, no one can serve two masters. Now, we've all heard this before, right? No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to one and despise the other. The scripture sometimes, we get this mixed up. You know, people say God, because it goes on to say you cannot serve both God and money. The, the scripture actually says mammon. Um, and there's a big difference between money and mammon. And we'll, I think we'll touch on this here in a minute, but... Uh, when, I, when you read that scripture, kind of what's the first thing that, uh, that, that comes into your mind? I mean, when I see it, I kind of see Jesus reflecting on realities that we see all around us, which is there's a connection between what you put into something and what you get out of it. You know, you see that in the technological world. You see that in biology. It's a, it's a, it's a principle of life. Like, you've always got to watch out what goes in because it's going to affect what comes out. Absolutely. And I think the interesting thing I'm hearing Jesus say this is, like, it's only just struck me now is later on Jesus almost stipulates that it's not what goes into a man that is sinful, but it's what you do with it and how it comes out. So it's almost like this thing where, like, even where Paul was saying, you know, all things are permissible, but not everything's beneficial. And I think what's so beautiful about being a follower of Jesus is there are clear-cut things for us, but Jesus leaves so much up to us and up to our conscience and up to our judgment as to what we're going to allow to be part of our lives. And really, I think he's asking us to say, what are you going to let go in and use what comes out of you as the, you know, the yardstick to measure is what's going in right now good or is what's going in right now something that's causing you to stumble? And I just think that's so trusting of God to give us that choice and to give us that freedom, which you don't see reflected in other faiths and in no other faith. Well, that's the thing is that it does come down to free will. And, but the thing is, the enemy is constantly trying to put stumbling blocks in front of us. Mm-hmm. And there have never been, in my opinion, more stumbling blocks than there are right now. Um, you know, pornography is, I mean, truly, uh, you know, just it's an epidemic around yeah. the globe. And it's not, it used to, when I was, so when I was young, I think, I don't know if I've ever told this story, you know, before, but I was in the second grade. It was a different world back then. Um, I was in the second grade. And um, this is before, I'm kind of dating myself, before they had age limits on tobacco products and girly magazines, okay? Um, so I had a buddy, you know, that um, we, we got on our bicycles. And this is even the sign of the times. I would never let my kids ride all the way up to, you know, the <laughs> corner store. I mean, because we, we rode a long ways. And I walked in with my best John Wayne up to the counter, you know, and I looked her in the eye and I said, I'd like a Playboy, <laughs> you know, and some Skull Bandits. And I remember this lady looking at me. She goes, you don't really want that, do you? I was like, of course I do. And she sold them to us. Wow. So we went home. I didn't have a clue what to do with those skull bandits. I put it under my tongue. Uh, I turned crazy green, you know, but I would be, I would be past that within a few hours. Um, but I can still tell you to this very day exactly what I saw when we opened that magazine. 
Wow. It, 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 it just emblazoned it yeah. in my mind. And I was only in the second grade. I cannot imagine. So what are you in the second grade? I mean, seven, eight years old. I don't know. Not very old. Yeah. And you ask somebody, what did you do yesterday? You can't remember. Right. You know, yeah. Our memories, like the fact that that's stuck with you all these years, it's powerful being exposed to something. And so how more difficult is it now? Mm. I mean, so I have just tremendous compassion for especially young people, unmarried people, um, people who are um, this struggle in these areas. Mm -hmm. So when I was younger, um, and God designed men to be very visual. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's that, I mean that God designed us that way. Um, and not that women aren't, but I believe that women have been far more trained to be visual because of the things coming into the eye. You can't get away from it. Yeah. The sin of comparison, it's everywhere. Guys do it too. Um, but you can't, you can't look. So I was even just looking on a, a Christian website the other day. And on that Christian website were ads for two-piece bikinis showing very provocative women. Wow. Okay. Now I'm not saying it was that websites fall necessarily, but they were allowing things in through advertising yeah. that have snuck in, right? And trust me, I've never searched for a two-piece bikinis before anybody <laughs> writes in and says, well, somebody must have been looking for it. I promise you, it wasn't me. Okay. <laughs> I don't think I'd look very good in one. I believe you, man. All right. Well, <laughs> I appreciate that. So, so that's my point. Like even, okay, so I took uh, some, some young men to watch a movie. The movie was innocent enough, okay? But when we were walking into the Synergy, they had these screen TV screens everywhere playing video mu music videos. Mm -hmm. And in them were basically pornographic videos being shown that would be incredibly tempting. I mean, it gets your mind. So, again, you're looking around everywhere. And even if you're trying to, if you're, even if you're trying to protect your heart and your eyes, yeah, it's hard. Yeah, and, you know, just to almost, like, bounce off the the quotes from Jesus earlier about, you know, all things being permissible but not beneficial. Sorry, that was the Paul quote. You know, like, to, on the flip side of that, I think to the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus goes on to say, you know, if you look at, uh, you know, if you look at somebody lustfully, in the eyes of God, you've already committed adultery with yeah, them. Yeah, in Matthew 5, 28. And to think of, like, the contrast of the fact that Jesus gives us this freedom that he trusts us to, to you know, to be to do as we please, not as we please, but to, you know, to follow him in our true conscience, but then holding us to a higher standard than the world would ever hold someone to. I mean, can you imagine people who aren't believers pulling people up and saying, hey, the way you just looked at that person, you may as well have committed adultery. Like the world doesn't function that way. Well, no, so Jesus not holds us to such a high standard, but he also gives us so much grace. And it's like, man, how can Jesus have the strength to hold us in that tension you know, the grace to forgive us when we stumble, but also the, the faith and belief in us that we can live as overcomers who, you know, can not look at somebody lustfully. Like, it's incredible. Well, you know, on that point, so Matthew five twenty eight is what you're speaking to um, in regards to the lust. If you look on a woman with lustful eyes or heart, then you've already committed adultery. And I think that that one is actually a really hard one for especially Christian men to listen to mm -hmm. because I think sometimes um, it's taken a little bit out of context. And I think we ought to break that one down just a little bit. Sure. Let's do it. Okay, because we live in a time, my least favorite time of the year um, anymore is summertime. Mm -hmm. Well, because, I mean, and, and I'm not trying to be ugly or whatever else, but I mean, I'm just saying wherever you go, less and less clothes on people has become yeah. more and more permissible. And so with that being said, it, it's a, a constantly a battle to make sure that I avert my eyes mm -hmm. and protect my heart. So Brandy, my wife, um, we have, we talk about this stuff, you know, and I will say this, um, <laughs> as you get older, it gets easier because it's no longer so much a temptation as, oh, that poor girl, I wish she just knew. Mm -hmm. how much God loved her as you become more of a father it's right okay and as a father of four daughters you know I mean yeah. my, my so I see things differently now uh -huh. not to say that I'm never tempted but I think we need to talk about that point mm -hmm. because there's a difference between temptation and seeing somebody a woman okay and as a Christian man and say oh well you know yeah she's attractive and then what the scripture in 528 is talking about yeah what are, your, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think that word temptation is a key one because I don't, I don't think we should ever feel condemned for being tempted by something. I mean, Satan tried to tempt Jesus. Jesus didn't sin by being tempted. It, to me, it's always how you act upon that. I used to be part of, um, still am kind of, a part of an African church in London. I used to play drums down there and they had these 6 a.m. prayer meetings. And in the summertime, there was one guy there 
and he would always want to come and pray over the guys. And he was like, Lord, help these guys bounce their eyes. <laughs> That's a good way to put when it. They, yeah. You know, when they come across things that aren't helpful, you know, we can't help what we see, but we can choose what we dwell on. Exactly. And so it's okay if the bird flies through the barn, but just don't build a nest. Hey, I was just about to say an example like that. I heard someone say that, you know, if, if, if something lands on your shoulder, you just, you know, swipe it away. You don't let it build a nest, as you say. And that's where, so to be clear, so in the Matthew five twenty eight scripture, that's where the lust in committing adultery is. It's when you sit and you dwell on it and you begin yeah. to fantasize or whatever about that scripture. Yeah. So here in a minute, I know that we're talking about, hey, don't do this. Um, we're going to give you some practical things about what you should do. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but I want to I want to bring up another scripture, you know, because this is something that we live in a society that does not care so much about what is right, what is noble, what is lovely, what is admirable. Right. Mm-hmm. In Philippians 4, 8, it talks specifically about this, you know, and, and if I were just to, to I'm just going to read it really quick. But it says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right. Whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable. If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. And what's, what's interesting is that we live in a society who, in fact, this isn't an end times <laughs> a podcast, but it says in the end days, you'll know you're living in the end days because they will say that which is good is evil mm-hmm. and that which is evil is good. Um, and so in context of this conversation, the things that are lovely, okay, Let's, let's talk about what, what's lovely. If it does not line up with this, the infallible word of God, if it doesn't line up with purity and innocence mm-hmm. and righteousness and holiness, then it's not lovely, despite what the world may say. Um, so there's never been, there's an attack on our children um, like I've never seen before, and specifically in the area of the LGBT community, these drag queens and kings and whatever. They, I don't know. I don't know if there's a drag king. I, did I say that wrong? I don't know. Whatever that is, okay. Um, you know, but it, it's the reason I'm, I'm bringing this up is because we talking about things coming in. Our kids, so they see these things. Like, mm-hmm. not a, we don't ever. We're never around it. However, you'll just be going to get your oil changed, and there's dudes dressed up like clowns, okay. And your kids see this, and they know that it's a man dressed up as a woman. And so it's like you have to have these conversations that we didn't used to have. Again, talking about the eye, talking mm-hmm. about the lamp into the soul. Mm-hmm. Something just came in. And so we have to address it. Mm-hmm. Okay? As adults and as, you know, same thing, as parents. And I know you you guys, someday, I look forward. You guys are going to be amazing parents. I mean. Oh, thank you. No, I, I really, you guys really will be. Y'all are exactly what. Well, y'all are exactly this scripture, Philippians 4, 8. You know, what is admirable and lovely. And I, y'all, y'all, I can't wait. And I'm so glad that you young people, I mean, y'all give me hope, okay? But, again, things are coming in that you can't control. Mm-hmm. And so how do we help people decide and, and discern what is real, uh, lovely, what is admirable, what is pure? Because, and I'm just going to touch on this, and I'm going to hand it over to you, is because I have had people in the church call themselves Christians going and watching horrible things, shows that definitely do not honor God, mm. and they open up some pretty serious areas uh, in, in the spirit to the enemy. Mm-hmm. So with that being said, how do we discern what is admirable, what is lovely? I mean, and, and what's, if, if our mindset is a little bit off, how do we get that lined up with the word? Yeah, I, th- I think it's all to do with where your cruising altitude as a believer is. You know, as, as Christians, the word of God has to be our foundation. We have to be engaging with God in prayer daily. Absolutely. We have to be, you know, our lives have to be centered around our first and foremost purpose in life, which is to be sons and daughters of God, you know, kings and priests before him. And I think the problem is, is, when we're being fed from the world and from the flesh more than we're feeding our own spirit, then we can we really can't trust our conscience anymore because it's seared. Or it's becoming seared. Yeah, because the food that we're consuming, the spiritual food or whatever, is you know, it's no longer building up the spirit man within us. It's building up the flesh. And when we're functioning in the flesh, then we're functioning as the world functions. And for me, a verse that changed my life, which I really only came across maybe 11 years ago or so with Psalm 27, 4, where King David's writing, 
where he says, you know, one thing do I desire that, that I may seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord, that I may gaze upon his beauty. And I think, man, King David, a man who had everything at his fingertips, all the wealth, all of the pleasures of the world that you can imagine. And the thing that he puts above everything is to gaze upon the Lord. Yeah. And to me as a kid, I never understood, well, a kid, 11 years ago, coming across this, I didn't understand how, I could see how that was the correct answer to say, you know, people say, well, what's the most important thing about your life? And like, Jesus, God, even though, <laughs> don't, even though people don't necessarily feel that way, right. they know it's the right thing to say. But for David to say this and to mean it, it was like, what is going on here? Could it be that looking at God truly changes who you are? Could it be that you could find more beauty in engaging in the things of the spirit than you can in, in engaging in the things of the world? And I think for so much, we, we kind of, we over-spiritualize some things and we, we remove God from things that he's supposed to be in. For instance, music, you know, I feel like music is such an incredible mm, way to I engage with the heart of God. I agree. But of course, you can use music to engage with other spirits and other facets in well, this world. Well, you're absolutely right. And I, I want to, but I want to touch on that. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I have uh, been involved with ministries, um, with homeless and drug addiction and stuff like that for years and years and years. And I would mentor some of these men. And one of the things that surprised me, so I would invite these guys, uh, just some of these guys that would like to work at, let's go to the gym, let's work out. It's amazing yeah. how much ministry you can do when, you know, you're holding, you know, a bunch of weight over somebody's <laughs> head. Anyway, uh, these young men, the one, one of these young men, he had um, tattoos all over and, but most of them were demonic. Okay. And he got saved. He grew up in a middle-class home, um, mm -hmm. was given um, lots of, you know, all, all these different, you know, benefits and privileges. He has given many opportunities. Um, but what he started listening to, and it was to some of these um, bands. I don't even know if I want to say what they are. Um, I don't want to give many, <laughs> you know, but th there were some bands that he started listening to that began to talk about. It, it, was, it got progressively worse, uh, okay, to the point where then all of a sudden it's purely about – and he said, what got him on drugs was that music. Wow. Because, so we're talking about the eye, okay, but the ear. Yeah. Right? And, and the things that we're, and many times those two work in conjunction. Mm -hmm. Jesus said you're better off to pluck out your eye. Yeah. Okay? If that's going to be what, you're better off to live life without an eye, okay, and, and, or to cut off a hand or whatever it's going to take versus having two hands burning in the, you know, center of hell. So. Mm -hmm. And that's a, that's a scripture as I get older that I'm realizing I take that more and more seriously. You're, you're, you have to protect what goes in. Yeah. You have to. We're all being influenced. No matter how strong a personality you think you are, you are being influenced in some way. And this is where accountability and having a mentor and being part of a church community is so important. I totally agree. Once you start feeding badly, you lose the ability to know you're consuming badly. You know, you're listening to the wrong stuff. You're watching the wrong stuff. You're taking in the wrong stuff because you're, you know, you're taking the control stick on your plane and you're jarring it all over the place. So you don't even know what weighs up and down anymore. When you've got a good brother around you, mm. when you've got a good friend who, you know, wants the best for you, wants to see your walk with God excel, then that's where they come in to really pull you up. And that's where we have to go through hard conversations with our friends. When we see people consuming the wrong stuff and it, you know, messing with them, Man, if we can catch people earlier on before, you know, the guy who you met, he's ended up homeless, he's ended up addicted to drugs. If, you know, if someone had caught him when he was in that early onset stages listening to that music, maybe his life path could have been so different. And that's, again, the beauty of the way Jesus set up life for his followers is we do it in community. We do it in church. We don't do it as islands separate from each other. We watch each other's back with that. But man, that's hard to do. Well, you know, and I think part of it, too, is what, okay, so yes, what is coming in and what people are constantly being told. So think about, that. so there's, there's this man that um, I like, as a podcast I like to listen to, and he had this, this guy on that <clears throat> ultimately ended up going to work for the CIA, but he began just working um, as a police officer. And he was going out, and he was seeing all these crimes, and, and the, what he was really like, okay, God, I, yeah, I see the result of these crimes, but what is the root? And he began to ask Holy Spirit, what do I do? I, and so he, in, these, in this community, he ended up receiving all these awards and everything else, but, but he would solve crime after crime after crime. And what would happen, for example, in the area of gangs and stuff like that, he would find the root of what's going on in the hearts of these people in the community. And the, he didn't have to worry about the gang problem. The gangs just dissolved. Huh. 
And so he's eventually contacted by the CIA. The CIA says, well, wh- how are you solving all these crimes? He goes, well, you're not going to like my answer. <laughs> and he says, okay, well, just how are you doing it? And so he had, um, he said, pull one of the case files. And he said, all right, well, in this case, um, I asked the Holy Spirit, and the guy kind of went crickets on the other side, right? <laughs> well, in the end, they ended up hiring him. But the story, I told you all that to tell, get to this one piece, okay? There was this, this kid, he went to an elementary school, and there was this kid that they, that they said that someday this kid will end up being a school shooter, okay? Wow. Because he was just, I mean, he was despondent. He, the things that he had said had led them to think this. And so the principal came and said, he's in my office. Um, he won't talk to me. He never talks to anybody. His grandfather was raising him. He said, would you have a conversation with him? And just, so he just like, he went, he said, sure, I'll, I'll talk to him. So he goes down to the principal's office and he begins to, um, he asks him questions and everything else and the kid won't say anything. So finally he asked him the question, who are you? And the kid said, invisible. Whoa. And so that led him to ask a follow-up question. Okay. And he said, what does love say that you are? And he said, love says I'm a musical genius. He's never played an instrument, never done anything. I mean, this is the first time this kid's talked, right? So the whole world, you're talking about the eye of the lamp? Okay. Everything this kid had been shown, all right, had been shown that he's invisible. He has no value. He's worthless. Mm -hmm. Okay. And, And so some of this is responsibility. So his grandfather was raising him, and he was doing the best he could. Well, so this man bought this kid a guitar. His grandfather said, you bought him a guitar, I'll get him guitar lessons. A year later, this kid is thriving. He's one of the top kids in the school. He has uh, won some awards as far as his, his guitar music ability. It's amazing when we help other people and, and put you know, the right things in front of their eyes, mm. the, the result that can come out of that, right? So, yes, as an adult, it's responsible. All of us are responsible for certain things, but like you said, there's some things that we have no control over. Yeah. So we have to help make sure that the things that we're putting in front of people, you know, is kingdom building. Yeah, and I think it's really important to ask God what things do we put in front of people to help them. Like, it's so, it's so tempting and cliche to, you know, I see it time and time again with friends. When they want to try and connect with God and they don't have a real you know, they have never had a real connection with them. They think just watching sermons on YouTube is going to do it. Or they, you know, they try reading a really hard book in the Bible. And God is obviously in all of these things. But in that case, like music was the way for this kid to engage with the Lord in that. And I love what you say about working out with people. Because for someone getting alongside them and helping them work out, they're going to find God in that because you're presenting God to them in your faithfulness to them in the way you're, you know, lifting them up and doing these kinds of things. And, you know, God is so present in this whole world. It's so easy to find him if we just realize that he's bigger than ink on paper. You know, he's the God who made this whole world. Absolutely. I see, you know, when the, when I see the sun shining, I'm like, I just feel like I see God in that. Oh, I feel me the cool too. breeze. Well, I'm especially like, coming from the Lord. UK, you don't get to see right, the sun as much, that's right? That's why I like Amarillo. <laughs> I got my vitamin D supply. Well, here. you get that and you get your wind supply. Oh, plenty. yeah, a bit too much of that. Yeah, I hear you. Okay. Turn it down, God. <laughs> well, so, okay, so let's, let's just talk about some practical stuff then. Sure. Um, you know, we always talk about binge watching this and that and stuff on uh, Netflix. I, I, like watch, I like watching movies. I've always liked movies. Um, I think movies can be inspirational um, mm-hmm. and so forth, okay? So but let's talk practical. I, I personally, I do not watch movies, any movies that have nudity in them, period. Mm-hmm. I mean, well, you know, like, oh, I'll fast forward past it. Well, you're still going to see it. Yeah. And so you're thinking, well, you're just a prude. Well, let me tell you something. I was a very immoral young man. I was a full-blown idiot. And trust me, I have seen and done all that stupid stuff, and there were no, there's no fruit in it. Yeah. So um, there's movies that I wanted to watch on Netflix. Um, one of them had to do with uh, the samurai, or one of them had to do with Marco Polo or something mm. like that. I was like, hey, these are – because I'm a history buff, right? Uh-huh. I thought these are going to be cool. And it said TVMA on them. And I was like – I guess I, so I learned through this because I didn't talk about nudity at first. Now they're putting nudity in. Uh-huh. So what about you? I mean, how do you, how do you go about, okay, yeah, I really want to see that. Um, and you weigh that and balance that with wanting to honor not only God, mm-hmm. but your wife. I think honestly, I, I feel comfortable in a place where I can, I can watch something and I can know pretty quick when I'm watching something, if I just need to just turn this thing off. Like we've had that so many times where, we're watching a show and just not picking up good vibes from it. And even, you know, more so than just the nudity thing, like if something is overly dark, 
Yeah. We just, me and Paige, we've just gone, we don't need this in our lives. No. Like, we don't need to, a, a guy years ago used this phrase. He said, like, don't fellowship with darkness. It's a good, uh, that's a good way to put it. Yeah, and that really helped unlock it for me because I'm like, you know, we live in a dark world. There's stuff going on here. We can't avoid it. We're supposed to be a light in the darkness, but we definitely shouldn't fellowship with it. So me and Paige are pretty hot on, you know, if we watch a show and we can feel it, we can, we feel different from it. I'm like, I don't want to be affected by someone else, what they've made here. I want to be affected and changed by the things of God. I want to be moved by God. I want to be moved by things that honor God. But if something else is moving me, I shouldn't, I shouldn't engage with this. And binge watching, man, that in any sense, that's just never a good thing, is it? The word binge, yeah, when's binge? It's probably not a healthy word in any context. <laughs> except I'm going to binge the Bible. I mean, maybe that binge the Bible, yeah. Well, the chosen they always talk about binge Jesus. I, d- I did what? No, <laughs> hey, I did. I did enjoy that. And there's a lot of people that have criticized, even inside the church. You know, the chosen, especially season two. They're, they ad lib and they put some stuff in there that's definitely not in the scripture. Um, they've been attacked about saying, you know, mm. trying to line it up with Mormonism and all stuff. Listen, I believe that sincerely in the bottom of their heart, they're trying to be authentic and represent the Bible well. Yeah. And, and so when you're making a show like that, I think that that's how the enemy works too, right? Things that you're trying to put in. So the enemy, so, okay, we're trying to put something good in. Mm-hmm. And then the enemy shows up and says, oh, well, let me tell you all the reasons that's bad. Yeah. Legalism, right? Yeah. So go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, I think the other thing that just came to mind that I wanted to mention was when you were talking about, you know, you as a, as a young kid, you can still remember what you saw when you opened the pages of that magazine. This is jumping the subject back here, but no, that's good. Um, that's fine. Just thinking about the TV stuff again, you know, you, sometimes you catch something that you're unexpected on there and it's a popular word these days, but the word trigger, you know, people like to use it in this, yeah. like oh, I've got triggered by this and they use it as an overly sensitive thing. But man, when you've had an issue and you've, you know, you felt some breakthrough in it. You do have to watch out for those triggers of things. And so even when you're mature in the Lord and you feel comfortable, um, as in like what God allows you to do and all this kind of stuff, you just don't know when something like that's coming through. So I just respect you when you say, when you see a warning on something at the beginning that you're like, I don't even want to be triggered into something like that. You know, and it's not even about, it's, it's, well, so there's a responsibility that we have. Um, you know, the one of the things that, that drives me insane is the things that are being put out for children. Mm-hmm. And, and I don't want to get off on that topic so much today, but like even Disney, um, we can no longer let our kids just watch Disney Channel. They have hundreds of shows now. In fact, there's one that was came up it's, it's, it's June, which evidently is, they call it Pride Month, but that's really sad. Let's just call it, you know, whatever. I, I, but it's, it's, it's an unhealthy it's an unhealthy declaration of a word that's supposed to mean something. Ironically, Jesus did say that, the, you, know, you know, Pride comes before a fall, so I don't know. I mean, <laughs> but... I guess my point is, is we, when I was a kid, I mean, it was pretty much safe to turn on the TV. I mean, yes, there was stuff that you shouldn't watch. I remember watching I Dream of Genie, and I thought, well, she never even clothes on. Okay, I mean, that's probably a show you never even heard of. <laughs> yeah, so I'm just nodding there like, oh. Okay, um, but, but my point is, is on, you know, Disney Channel, they have all these things. Well, the scripture is very clear about if you try to hurt these little ones. Um, before we came in here, I happened to just turn, look at the news, and they're saying that, you know, we got to do something about gun control because it's, it's a drag uh, Queen deal because they want to go in, but to these kids, we got it's, it's not safe for these kids to have these guns. But oh, it's safe to allow um, that spirit to come in and and to to literally witness from a dark principality over our children. And I guess my point is on all that is that we have to you know we are the gatekeepers, okay, and we have to be careful what we allow in. But as far as the kids are concerned, you know, in in what we watch. We're responsible not only for ourselves, but our kids. Yeah. So there's tools that I use, okay, even for myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so there's, there's uh, commonsensemedia.org, um, kidsinmind.com. Um, even, I, I, you know, though it's not, well, most of these aren't Christian, but what these different sites will do is you can go on and it'll say that, and it tells you where they are on language, violence, nudity, all this stuff. Mm-hmm. And they'll say, if somebody looked longingly into their eyes. I mean, okay, <laughs> all right, well, that one's probably all right. Um, but then they'll give more detail. And if it's, you don't even have to keep reading. As soon as you see something bad, pitch it. Yeah. Um, and I do that for myself. So That's I cool. had some buddies. They wanted to go watch a movie recently. Um, it's a Viking movie, which, dude, I, I love Viking movies. You know, <laughs> I think, you know, the further I get into this, the more of a, like a Viking I look, I guess. You got the beard. I got the beard. I've been thinking. I can't grow hair on the top of my head, really, but I've been thinking about growing this knot on the back, oh. like a ponytail. You know, my wife said no. <laughs> um, 
but anyway, but I wanted to go watch it. Well, I looked it up and I found out there's going to be a lot of unhealthy things in that show. Uh-huh. So I said, no, I'm like, oh, come on, just look down. I'm like, no, dude, I ain't going. So you have to draw a line in the sand and, and, to, and, and to be, I want to go back and, and touch on this for you, but you said something a while ago is every day. Mm-hmm. Okay. Ephesians chapter six talks about the full armor of God. So in this battle about what we're letting in, I think that that is absolutely critical. Yeah. So some people think reading the Bible is boring. They don't understand it. They think prayer, nobody's listening. Okay. To, to that group and that audience, what would you say? I would say that you gotta, you got to treat your spirit as a muscle. It's a good weapon. I like that. And you've got to, you know, if you're, if you're someone like me, you have a, you have a love-hate relationship with working out where every couple of years or so, you're like, okay, I'm going to do this. <laughs> and then you go and you overdo it at the beginning and you realize you're not as strong as you think and you think, you know, you start to be like, I can't do this because you've started, you've gone in too hard and you're not moder- moder- moderating. I do speak English. Well, Not kind more. of. I mean, you, you speak that UK English. <laughs> you Queen's get, English. Yeah, there you go. So, you know, I just think you've got you to treat your spirit like a muscle in that sense. Having people around you to keep you accountable is good, but also just going in at a good level, um, starting somewhere where you know you can be consistent and carry on. Because you can burn out so easily by, you know, by removing every single bad thing that you can think of and trying to cram it, replace it with things like, just cramming the word of God down your throat and all this kind of stuff. I just think moderation, like dwell on something, read a scripture, don't rush past the next one, read it, sit on it, go for a walk, you know, sit down, talk to a friend about it. You don't have to stick the whole Bible down your throat immediately. There's enough juice in every single sentence. I mean, I can riff, I can just take one Bible verse and riff off it for ages. Like I can just sit on it and I'll be like, I got to know if I take this, I'm going to think one thing right now, but if I go for a walk and talk to God about it, I might come back having a deeper knowledge on this. And I just think, you know, your relationship with God is a relationship. When I met my wife, I wasn't at 100% comfortability with her on the first five minutes of meeting her. It took us time to get to know each other. It took us time to, to share. And I think even though God knows everything about who we are, we have to go on the exciting journey of learning who he is. And we have to accept that we're not going to know every single thing straight away. And spoiler alert, God is so vast, we could never know every single thing. Mm, no. Anyway, but enjoy the journey of going for it with God and learning him and bring him into every sphere of your life. When I was a kid, I told you a while ago that I was kind of honoring. I got into trouble a lot, and I didn't consider myself a good kid. Okay, and I, I don't think I'm alone. I think that there's a kid, teenager, maybe even an adult, that's hearing this out there right now, um, that you think, well, because... So for me, when I was a kid, I would lie sometimes when the truth was better. Mm-hmm. I mean, I just, I, w- I would do silly things. Um, and well, I told you what I did in the second grade, right? I went and got a Playboy magazine and I was out there, you know, getting sick on school bandits. But, you know, I, I guess what I'm trying to say is, is that I, I wanted to be good. Mm-hmm. And I did not know how to be good. Um, and and I, I, I would see other people. And I'd say, well, they're good kids. I mean, they're making good grades. They're doing good in school. They don't get in trouble. I mean, I think I still hold records at Puckett Elementary in Amarillo, Texas for the most, because that's when they had corporal punishment. I still <laughs> had, I mean, I'm sure they have my plaque up there somewhere, the kid with the most licks ever. I mean, you know, me and the principal, we got along well. I remember one story when I, when I was a kid. So this back when they could even, they would smoke. He had a pipe. And he would smoke that pipe. And I remember just, I was down there. I don't even remember why I was down in the principal's office. I was in trouble. But everything started spinning. I was like, ooh. And I thought, man, I must be really nervous about this one. And he gave me some licks. He told me to go back to, to my class. I remember walking down the hall, and they had double doors at the end, and everything was kind of like this. You know? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, but, you know, it's one of those things is that, you know, we talk about, you know, uh, uh, just our kids. We talk about the trouble that we get in not being good. I then came into a relationship with Jesus Christ, May 22nd, 1994. Okay. And, and that's a testimony I'll share. I've shared before. I'll share again. But I didn't, I mean, I, I had a hope and I had a peace in my heart that I'd never had before. Um, and I looked back the other day and, and, and Brandy, my wife, she said, you know, because she knew that story, but I never felt like I was a good boy. Mm-hmm. And she has always told me, I'm a, you know, she's, she's so good. She tells me I'm a good man even when I'm not sometimes, right? But she, but, but she you know what, I looked back, I was like, you know what? I've been serving the Father now for 28 years. Is that right? Yeah, I think 28 years. And 
it's so good to be good. <laughs> and I, I wanted it. So I think, and we're getting close to, to you know, to, to wrapping some things up, but I think I wanted to point out that some of us have a desire to be good, but don't know how. Um, and you, dude, I already know, man, we didn't, you grew up, you were always, I know that we, I've heard your testimony and it is, I mean, it's, uh, there was seasons that you went through hard, but you were a good kid. Oh, thanks man. You really were. I mean, and, and so me, I wasn't. So from a guy, if we were growing up together, I'd look at you and say, oh, he's a good kid. I could never be that good. That's the enemy showing up, sin of comparison. So you, we're talking about, okay, well, I want to do the right thing. I want to bring the right things into my eyes. Well, so here's how I would recommend it. Some of you are struggling with pornography right now. There's not a, it's, it's a guarantee. Um, and it's not just men. It's women as well. In fact, uh, at Hope Choice, we had a little girl come in years back that I remember hearing about. And she uh, was eight years old, addicted to pornography. Wow. Okay? Because the parents did not protect what they put in her hand. Different conversation. Mm-hmm. But let me tell you something. The enemy doesn't care. Yeah. Whatever can come into those eyes that he can use to corrupt or destroy you, he will. So, that being said, what steps would you say you would take if you're struggling with that, you want to be good, and in your mind you don't think you are, but you want to be good? Yeah, in terms of pornography or just in general? I'd say in general, in general. I mean, I guess with that, in general, I'd say the good thing about being a Christian is that the good kids aren't good enough. The standard is so high of perfection that only Jesus could meet it. And we get to take the amazing second place medal of knowing that Jesus is our pioneer. He's, he's been as good as anyone we need it to be. No one can meet that standard, but he's brought us in on the journey with us. He's given us that blood transplant on the cross. That's right. He's given us the winning DNA. He's given us, you know, sometimes I think of faith as a card game and some people have dealt good cards. Some people have dealt bad cards. But the truth is in, in life and in, a life of following Jesus, the only way to win is to swap your cards with Jesus. He's got the only set that is good enough for the standard of eternal life in heaven. And it doesn't matter how good your cards are that you were given at birth or in childhood or in adulthood. It doesn't matter how bad your cards are. The only way to get there is to swap with Jesus. And Jesus has made himself freely available and open for people to do that. So for those who are doing well in life and for those who aren't doing well, Jesus is he's offering that swap. He's offering that trading of places. Cross, you know, crown of thorns for a crown of gold. And there's just no other worldview like this in our world. It's, it's, it's what gives me hope for this world that Jesus has got the answers. Well, I'm going to have you pray over that when we close here in a minute, before, before we close. But sure. I, I want to, you know, bring up one more scripture. Um, and it has to do, you know, with Romans. It says, do not be conformed to this world. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind, then you will be able to test and to prove what God's will is, his good and pleasing and perfect will. You know, I, without Jesus, as you were saying, none, none of us are good. <laughs> um, the word tells us that our very best is like filthy rags. I mean, we, we just, it's not, we can't be good without Jesus. No matter how good you think you are, Jesus is, like you said, the blood on the cross. Um, for me, I'll tell you what's really important is to make sure that I'm putting good things in. Yes. And so the, for, for me, I, I'm encouraged by, all of us are encouraged by testimony. So I had Melissa Ponder on the other night. And, um, you know, I, it's called, in, a new little segment I'm going to start doing called God of Miracles. We need to hear testimony of other people, uh-huh. you know, and their struggles and what God did for them in those struggles. And you just know that God will do the same thing for us in the middle of mm-hmm. our mess. There's a, uh, you know, prophesy your promises, a song that, you know, it's a beautiful song. My wife sings it. Yeah. Um, and there's two things that happened um, this last week, I guess, when she read it. It says, first of all, he says, he made a table in the middle of my mess. You know, I'm sitting here and I'm struggling with pornography. I'm stuck, struggling, you know, with addiction. And, and I'm struggling with, you know, keeping my eyes and my mind and my thought life pure. And, and what I want to just encourage everybody is that Jesus, that, that part of that is Jesus will make a table in the middle of our mess. Yeah. I thought that was a really good way to, to put it. And if you don't recognize me, I'm the cello guy. Anyway, I was sitting there playing cello, and, which is an interesting perspective because I can just kind of flow and play. And so he got in that song to that point, and it says, and he made the giants fall. And, and Carrie Watley, uh, playing piano, she sings and, and came in and sang the harmony. And I can't explain to you, and the Holy Spirit washed over me, but it was like a wave, 
boom, just went out. I heard people all over the sanctuary crying out. I mean, something happened. There's a giant in our life. And it many times has entered from what we have allowed, you know, the eye. Mm-hmm. Okay, we talk about that. The, the eye is the lamp. Well, it was William Shakespeare that termed, again, he would pull, you know, uh, you know, he, he would pull from the scriptures for, you know, ideas and concepts. Yeah. But he, he's the one that termed it, the eye is the, you know, gateway to the soul or the window, I think, is what uh-huh. he put it to the soul. And I just want to encourage anybody who's out there that's struggling. You say, well, you don't know what I'm going through. You don't, my, my problems are, are, are enormous. I mean, I've got, you know. $200,000 in debt, $500,000 in debt. I have my, my spouse just left me. I'm totally on my own now. Or I've, you know, I'm about to lose my job or I, the, what I have going on at work. I, the, as long as we're on this planet, we're going to be, James 1, 2, 3, 4 says that whenever you're faced with trials of any kind, consider it nothing but joy for the testing of your faith will produce mm-hmm. endurance. So on that point, I think that fellowship, fellowship is really important. You mentioned that a while mm-hmm. ago. So let's talk about that first, and, and then there's another question I have for you, then we'll wrap up. Sure. So in, in the area of fellowship, because there's so many people that are lone wolfing it out there, yeah. what would you tell them on that? Oh, man, I would say if you don't have good fellowship in your life, the worst thing you can do is sit around and wait for someone to create it with you or for you. You just got to get out there and send the invites, make it happen. You know, I had... I had a season in my life where I was super depressed. I'd had a relationship breakdown. And I, as the relationship broke down, I realized I also had no real friends going on around me. And that was a season where I just had to humble myself, reach out to friends. And a, a side of fellowship that I got into at that point was coming out of that, was learning to disciple people younger than me as well. Yeah, Reaching out to them, being vulnerable. You know, Not everyone wants to be discipled. Not everyone wants to be looked after. But I just realized, I was like, if I reach out and create meaningful relationship to other people. Not everyone's going to want meaningful relationship, but those who do want it, man, you've got, it's, it's life giving. I had an accountability partner who walked with me, particularly in the area of purity as a teenager, well, more like twenties, I guess we started doing that together. And man, we just had fellowship. We used to go eat dinner together once a week, pray for each other, share our struggles with each other. Nothing holy on paper, eating fried chicken together once a week. Yeah. But man, we backed each other up right through our 20s and lifted each other up into much greater seasons of life. Fellowship, it's hard to, you know, if you've not got it, but just be vulnerable. Put yourself out there. And, and God is a provider, not just financially. God will provide the people that you need as well. And I think that this is really important. I, th- I feel like that somebody in the sound of this, you know, podcast can actually hear they're they're in a season of um, no friendship. You feel alone, and I want to tell mm-hmm. you that um, there are so many people that that I don't know if you, if you're in our area, come to our church, um, get involved with a life group. Um, we have a life group that you know it's, it, it becomes like family almost. I mean, whenever you're struggling in the middle of you know some of the most difficult things going on, um, you have people around you who can lift you up and encourage you. Yeah. So I, I agree. That's really good. And if you think about that verse you just mentioned from that song, that you know meant so much to you and you felt brought breakthrough in the room. God put in a table in the middle of your mess. The table is the place of fellowship. And that's a really good word. You know, I know that that verse is coming out of Psalms where it talks about like, you know, setting a table before your enemies type thing. But God wants us to do that. He uses the table and you know, the idea of a feast or a banquet so much because fellowship and gathering around is so important to God and not just fellowship with each other, but fellowship with God. Uh, man, I tell you, that, that's a, a really, really good word. The second thing is, is and I'm, I'm putting you on the spot here because we haven't talked about it, oh, and I'm going to go first. I'm going to give you a second to think, <laughs> all, right. all right, is um, if you have, whether it be shows or books or, or something that is, that, that, you know, that is encouraging, that isn't the, necessarily the Bible, but something that might be encouraging, you mm-hmm. know, that you could share. I'm going to share one. Um, so there's, there's a number. Of, I'm always listening or reading uh, a book, listening to a book or mm-hmm. And, and or um, other pastors and preachers and stuff that, that encourage, encourage me. But sometimes if we knew what was in front of us, the kingdom of heaven, mm-hmm. if we would have a different perspective on what was, because less than 1% of all messages are ever about the kingdom of heaven, but yet we talk about salvation. <laughs> yeah. Why do we want to be saved? And people have these misconstrued notions that we're going to be floating around on clouds playing a harp. That's the <laughs> cartoons that when I was a kid, right? Yeah. And that is not heaven. Heaven earth 
earth is is a shadow of what heaven is. I think it's C.S. Lewis that said, if we have our eyes fixed on heaven, we get earth thrown in. But if we have our eyes fixed on uh, earth, we lose them both. Wow, that's that's a great quote. Okay, and so we we need to have things that encourage us. So I want to encourage you. There's one uh, book that I just finished reading, and you take it, some of this stuff with a grain of salt, okay? But what it's, it's called Imagine Heaven by John Burke. It's an easy read, um, and it talks about heaven. How do we know about heaven? Well, in this particular case, he took roughly a thousand different cases of NDEs or near death experiences where people died and went to heaven. You've heard um, there's been other books like uh, you know uh, Todd Burpo about his son. Ke- I think it's Kevin was his son that went to heaven, um, and the kid. I mean, there's so many different things. You have to take stuff with a grain of salt because some people are out for profit. But what this man did, um, what what uh, Burke did is he actually took all these different ones that had no reason to profit from anything, from children to, I mean, very influential people in the community that actually saying something about this might ruin the reputation. And it's incredible. Mm-hmm. And it's just, and what happens is it, some of the testimonies go back a hundred years and they all line up with scripture a hundred percent. And, and then you start seeing, wow. I mean, what happened? It was a good book for me. I mean, I, I, my eyes have always been set on heaven. Um, and, and I do try to live with an eternal, you know, thought mm-hmm. process in mind, but it encouraged me and, and it re helped me realign and refocus some things. Um, so that's one, there's, if you, if, if you want to know about more books, I have dozens I can share with you. That's just one catch me at church and I'll tell you some, but what about you? <laughs> oh man, I feel like they're all going to come flooding to me after this podcast ends, but <laughs> <laughs> I told you, I put you on the spot. Yeah, no, no, you're all good though. These are a bit niche and this might be to do with some of my weird quirks, but I love watching, um, YouTube, like photography videos where people go out and walk around the street and like just take photos of what's going on around or nature. I, I'm a really visual person as well. And I just find like I can just really connect with the heart of God as I see different people groups, as I see different mountain ranges. Oh man, me too. There's yeah, definitely landscape and country and, and his creation. Yeah, I'm with you on that. And as you know, it's kind of lame to say like, watch videos of other people going out. I mean, the good recommendation would be go out and like, <laughs> go into some nice natural space. Um, music wise, uh, I find that people like John Mark McMillan, there's a guy called Andy Squires. Um, these are guys who are just, they, they're real art, for, like God first, art second, but they take their craft serious and some of them have got amazing books as well. And they're just people who aren't afraid to say, I don't know the answer to the question. And I found a lot of comfort following artists who are willing to go on the lifelong journey of figuring out who God is. You know, some people, some people in ministry are out there, they write their book when they're 18 years old because they figured God out and now they're here to tell everyone what they see. Oh, yeah. I love following a lifelong journey of others who are on their journey because people who are older than me, I can just look up to them and be like, if you're still going for it with God, I'm still going too. And if you still haven't figured it out, that makes me feel better because I <laughs> yeah. haven't figured it out yet. Yeah. So some of those guys are brilliant. One of them, Andy Squires, he has a, a book called Poet Priest, which is a it's kind of like a magazine of photographs with mini essays about, you know, just scriptures and thoughts about God. And I've enjoyed so much engaging with that because I just love seeing other people on their journey and it stoked the fire in me to to look at God in the natural beauty around me. And I love reading my Bible, but I love being outside and I love, you know, not just countryside. I can see God in the city. I can see God as I see people walking down the street in the hustle and bustle because I'm like, God has a plan for that person's life and that person's. And I don't know, in these last few years, I can just engage with that, with God in a way I haven't been able to before. That's, you know, I think it's really cool. I wish I could ask the same question, you know, to a dozen other people that I respect and, and have it on this podcast because you're going to get a d- different answer. Yeah, sorry, mine was very niche there. I would also say The Chosen as well. <laughs> right. controversy has done a lot of good work in my heart, just visualizing some things from the scriptures. Well, it is good, but my point is is that that's the thing, is that God made every one of us unique. I mean, we have that, that's the beauty. If we were all the same. You know, Satan wants to try to stamp everybody out and say, you know, and to, to, to knock away anything that represents God, that, that, that is the image of God. And, and, but God is creation, creative. He's, he's, yeah. He is creation. But he, he is creative. And he created everything. And so I think that it's neat that different things can inspire us and stoke us. And I would just encourage, you know, y'all listening today that go start listening to, to sermons um, from people that are well-respected. If you don't know where to go look, um, you know, you can uh, ask one of, uh, you know, the staff members at our church. We can point you in the right direction. 
Um, you can, you know, hit up one of the elders or some of the other people in the church at your life group, your leaders at your life group. Just find something that you can fill mm-hmm. yourself with. And that sometimes, and I think this is important too, that you can also recreate. So, you know, one of the things that's important, I tell my wife all the time, you have to have at least one thing that you look forward to every day. And I'm not talking about something bad. I'm talking about something that's going to fill you up. Yeah, that's good. And so, um, anyway, well, I, I, we're, we're about to wrap up, but I want to finish with you praying for us today. Um, you know, I told you that, you know, just over those people who want to be good, who want to do the right thing, who want uh, to, to protect their eyes and the things that are coming in, would you just, uh, would you pray for, for the audience today? Yeah, sure. Father God, we just thank you so much for your strength and for your goodness. And thank you that we get to rest in that, that we don't have to worry about our strength and our goodness and our you know, our CV or our resume. Lord, thank you that you've given us yours freely. That's right. Lord, we just swap that with you today and we just ask you that you would just encourage through your spirit, God, those who are still trying to make it on their own. Mm-hmm. Lord, give us the strength to just say yes to you and to and to lean into you in all these things. And Father, I pray that you would just help us mobilize the weapons of our eyes, that we would no longer be people who want to fellowship with darkness and give our eyes to the wicked things like in the world. But Lord, would you help us see the beauty of God that is literally everywhere and all around us in all things. Let us see you, God, in our relationships. Let us see you in, as we walk down the street. Let us see you as we engage in the, the journey that you've told us to walk in, in our careers, in our crafts, in all these things. We trust you, God, and we're just grateful that although you have these highest standards, Lord, God, you've met it and you've welcomed us in anyway. We praise you, Jesus, and we just ask that you would strengthen us as we go all the way through to the end where we get to see you again. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Hey, I want to encourage you. We have some really neat episodes that are about to come up, um, especially here in the area of human trafficking and some stuff and some upcoming episodes. Episodes. Share this podcast um, with your friends if it encourages you. Um, subscribe. Hit the subscribe button down there. Uh, if you can find us, if you're just on the road and you want to listen to us on MP3 instead of watching on video, you can catch us on Spotify through the app and some other things. Again, thanks for joining us today. We can't wait to see you on the next one. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast from the Church at Bushland. We hope you will stay connected by following the ministry on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram by using the Church at Bushland. We are all about people because God is all about people. We exist to help people know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference.